Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the UBS Conversations podcast channel. For today's conversation, excited to have on the line with us Melinda Hightower, head of the new Multicultural Investors segment within our client strategy office. Uh, The team, by the way, just published their highly anticipated report on how multicultural families build their wealth. So looking forward to diving a bit deeper into the report today. Uh, Joining Mel, also excited to have on the line with us today, Jennifer Lan, a Senior wealth strategist based in Dallas, Texas, as well as Premini Scandura, a wealth strategist based in Los Angeles, California. Uh, Jennifer and Prem are both members of the Advanced Planning Group here at UBS, and the team just published their new white paper, Planning for Multicultural Investors, which we'll also spend some time covering during today's conversation. Uh, just some further background on the team, uh, the Advanced Planning Group consists of former practicing estate planning and tax attorneys with extensive private practice experience and diverse areas of specialization. Uh, That includes estate planning strategies, income and tax planning, family office structuring, business succession planning, charitable planning, and family governance. Uh, The team provides comprehensive planning and sophisticated insights and education to ultra high net worth clients. So with that, Mel, Prem, Jennifer, welcome. It's great to be with you all and thank you for spending some time with our listeners and clients today on UBS Conversation. Uh, To get right into it and to set the stage before we dive into the guide, uh, Mel, can you share with our listeners and our clients some background on your team of the Multicultural Investors segment and the genesis behind this effort and focus here at UBS? Thanks, Dan. It's wonderful to be here with you today, and it'd be my pleasure to provide a bit more context on the segment and the work that we do. So the Multicultural Investor segment is really part of UBS's ongoing wealth management strategy to serve all investors. And here in this segment, we're really focused on identifying the needs of Black, Hispanic, and Latino, and Asian American investors, and meeting those needs through unparalleled access to people, ideas, and finally tailored investment solutions. So the guide that we have here that was prepared by the advanced planning team is really a result of that mission in action. We interviewed more than 3,000 multicultural millionaires to better understand their wealth journeys. And then we partnered up with our wonderful colleagues here in advanced planning to create a guide for navigating those planning opportunities that arrive with that wealth. In short, it's the future of wealth that really prompted the creation of the segment and the client insights that we have that prompted the creation of the guide. Well, thank you, Mel, for that background, and wonderful to hear about the impactful work being done by your team. Uh, So, Mel, maybe as a follow-up, as we've pointed out, we are focusing our conversation today in part on your team's new report, and congratulations on the release, by the way. I understand that we have three findings that we want to cover for our listeners and our clients on today's podcast. So, beginning with the first finding, Mel, uh, what did your team's research uncover? Sure. And we're excited about the findings and the release of the report as well. I think the first big takeaway is that we found that multicultural investors were really focused on giving not only while living, but also through inheritance. So for example, many of the Hispanic and Latino investors we surveyed wanted to pay the support that they received forward with 81% providing multi-generational family financial support. 
Those investors are working to find smart ways not only to provide the daily support, but in addition to that, to help with major life expenses, those moments such as educational expenses or investments in businesses. Likewise, we also found that 8 in 10 of the Asian investors we surveyed expected to leave an inheritance, not unlike many multicultural high net worth investors or high net worth investors in general. At the same time, though, we found that of those Asian investors, 6 in 10 had an up-to-date will. And roughly only about 4 in 10 had had conversations with, with their heirs, so really an opportunity to engage in further dialogue. So kind of as, as a complement to what Mel was discussing, you know, from the advanced planning perspective, you know, there are lots of different options when it comes to inheritance. You know, it can be done, you know, as, as we discussed during life or at death and take many different forms. So, you know, leaving an inheritance at death generally involves that creation of a will or revocable trust, while leaving an inheritance during life can really consist of, you know, just a simple outright gift to more complex trust structures. You know, obviously the most common recipient of these gifts are typically the children of the donor. Um, however, that doesn't always have to be the case. You know, beneficiaries can range from grandchildren or spouses to parents, friends, or really any other family member. You know, and not only do we see, you know, in our world, the beneficiaries vary, but also the purpose of the gift can vary. You know, when you're providing that generational support or inheritance, you know, trusts and outright gifts also aren't the only option. Um, you know, while you can structure a trust to satisfy, you know, providing loans to family members or those educational expenses or support for elderly family members, you know, some of the other options that we consider as well are intrafamily loans, 529 accounts, or even um, qualifying payments that are made directly to appropriate institutions for health care and other educational expenses. You know, the strategy really that might work best for a multicultural investor will, you know, depend on that individual's particular circumstances and needs and wants um, when thinking about that inheritance and generational support. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for sharing those actionable planning considerations. So, Amel, as a follow-up, what's another finding that you can share with us which prompted planning opportunities? Sure. Another interesting finding that we uncovered was that while 61% of all high net worth investors surveyed cited investments as their primary source of wealth, really only one third of multicultural investors do. Um, we found that was true across Asian, Black, and Hispanic and Latino investors alike. And so what that means is that you're finding more varied paths to wealth outside of investments such as real estate and entrepreneurship. And so I think when I think about the planning hat and Prem, you know, you really have a true mix of asset types to account for. Absolutely, Mel. You know, planning strategies are often driven by the type of asset the multicultural individual owns. So we want to consider first what type of asset the individual wants to gift, and secondly, the intended use of such asset by the beneficiary. And the type of asset can affect what planning strategy might make the most sense, and accordingly, an individual should be certain of exactly what they own in order to assess what how much they want to transfer, and also the best way to do so, right? So once a multicultural investor has established their path to wealth through real estate, investments, or business ownership, the next step in their wealth journey is really um, how to determine how to properly manage and transfer these assets in a tax-efficient manner. And accomplishing a smooth transition between generations can take many forms. Sometimes this involves direct transfer of these assets, 
to the next generation using the techniques we just discussed. Other times, this involves assisting family members with the purchase of a real estate, investments, or a business venture. To ensure efficient transfer of wealth, it's really important to examine asset titling both at the time the strategy is implemented and periodically thereafter as changes occur. Every individual strategy really depends on their own unique set of circumstances, goals, and their state of residency. Well, thank you, Prem, for that guidance and for hitting on those strategies for us. So, Mel, let's perhaps round out today's conversation with that third finding. What can you share with us there? I'm so excited to share this final finding with you because it's on my favorite topic, philanthropy. And what we found was that a number of multicultural investors are focused on making a difference through philanthropy. And for example, six in 10 black investors are really intent on supporting their communities. And they're motivated by a host of reasons. But what really came to the top was a desire to build a more equitable future, to pay that forward the opportunities that they were given, and also to help others with the same background succeed. We were really excited about this because this really talks about where one is giving their dollars. But as I think about the planning considerations, something that I love to talk about is it really gives you an opportunity to talk about how you give. And there's a whole host of factors to consider. Right, Jen? Absolutely. Philanthropic goals of a multicultural investor, you know, those can be achieved, you know, in conjunction with the wealth transfer strategies, you know, that we've been talking about. From its simplest form, charitable giving can just be done through a direct cash gift to a public charity. While that's quick and easy and what a lot of people do, you know, a lot of the times it's kind of most suboptimal from a tax perspective. Rather than just blank writing a check to your favorite charity, what we see a lot of, you know, high net worth donors do who want to make significant gifts, you know, maybe they want to set and implement more of a strategic gifting to ensure that these charitable contributions that they're making have maximum impact. And so what we see a lot are donor advised funds and private foundations. They allow the donor to make a charitable contribution in a particular year, still potentially receive that immediate income tax deduction, but then you can deploy the gifted funds over a longer period of time. There are a couple of other options, and I'm going to let Prem discuss some of those other alternatives. Thank you, Jennifer. We also see charitable trusts as another alternative to giving. Charitable lead trusts and charitable remainder trusts are two common options, each with their own set of considerations to take into account. While on two different sides of the spectrum, Between these two options, you can accomplish a diversification of a concentrated stock position, creation of an income stream, receive current charitable income tax deduction, and potential transfer of wealth to the next generation without triggering any gift or estate taxes. The type of asset a multicultural investor chooses to donate ultimately will depend on their financial status and ultimate charitable and tax minimization goals. Well, Prem, Jennifer, Mel, it was a pleasure catching up with you all on the podcast today. Uh, Thank you very much for dropping by and for sharing with our listeners and their clients the findings from the report, as well as the actionable planning considerations. Of course, there is much here we can follow up on, so looking forward to continuing with our conversation a bit down the pike, though. Thank you all again for your time today. Appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. The information in this discussion has been prepared by and reflects the opinions and various investment views of the speaker. UBS Financial Services, Inc. has not independently verified such information and does not guarantee its accuracy or completeness. This information is being provided to you for your information purposes only and does not constitute a recommendation or an endorsement by UBS Financial Services, Inc. of the author, the securities, or views stated herein. Any specific security 
security is discussed should not be considered a recommendation or solicitation to buy or sell any particular security. You should not assume that any investment in any of the securities was or will be profitable. UBS Financial Services, Inc. or its affiliates and its employees are not affiliated with any third-party speakers mentioned. UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, different in material ways. We are governed by different laws and separate arrangements it is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.